Welcome to Raised on It. This episode is probably one of my favorite episodes to date. Um, I got to chat with Katrina Burgoyne. Uh, she's originally from Australia, and she's been chasing her country music dreams in Nashville the last few years. It's really cool. Uh, I was introduced to her music when I heard one of her most recent releases a couple months ago called 25 Cents in the Ashtray. Absolute jam. That song has been on my playlist for months. It's just so fun and fresh. So we chat about that song, her other music. We chat about her growing up in Australia, making the move to Nashville. I ask her about some words and phrases that only Australians would know the meaning. It's pretty entertaining. It's it's a, it's a fun hang. Uh, you're going to have a, a good time listening to it. We do have two other podcasts on the Raise on a Podcast Network I want to let you know about. The Album Collection, if you're unfamiliar uh, where we go back and we take a deep dive into favorite albums, our iconic albums, or just random albums over the years. Uh, the most recent one was Lady A's self-titled debut album, Lady Antebellum. Go check that out. And the other podcast is Video Vault, where we chat about a different music video each episode. It's so much fun. Our latest episode, we actually tackled a recent one. It was Brother Osborne's I Don't Remember Me Before You. So take a look at that. Those podcasts, as well as this one, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Pandora, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we'll be there. So we'd appreciate it if you hit the subscribe or follow button, leave us a review, those sorts of things. As always, we are Raised On It. Follow us on RaisedOnItBlog.com. And without further ado, here is my chat with Katrina. Well, uh, Katrina, before we get into your story and stuff, uh, I know before we started talking, officially once we started rolling the record button, we are talking about Wisconsin. That's where I'm originally from. So what were you doing up in Wisconsin? Like, what was your initial takeaway? Because it's always, it's always fun for me to hear non-Wisconsin people go to Wisconsin to kind of hear what they think of it. So, well, the thing is, is that uh, one of my best friends, I call him my American big brother, is from Green Bay, Wisconsin. So, you know, as big brothers should, they educate their little sister. Now, I'm actually <laughs> older than Alex, but I, he is my big brother. And um, what, the first year I moved to the USA, um, he summertime was coming around. I know it was about August, September. And he took me out. He says, you have to come to Wisconsin. I'm going to do a writer's retreat up here. So we went up to Wisconsin and uh, I did my first, I feel like everything American I've ever done has happened with Alex from Wisconsin in Wisconsin. So I went up to Wisconsin to Crevitz, um, which is just an hour north out of Green Bay, I think. And um, you know, he's got this beautiful family cabin on the lake and that's you know we go up there every year and i i went on my first pontoon boat up there i shot my first gun up there i did my first tailgate at lambo field oh that's that's a must i know and um he is just i don't know i know he's found everyone from wisconsin are the most friendly people in the world so i don't know if i i really do connect with I really do connect with Wisconsin up there, but I'll tell you something. We just were up there uh, a week ago and it is bloody freezing this time of year. There's Aussie <laughs> bones. Man, I think I should just stick to the the visit in the summertime. Yeah, that's that's exactly, if you go from June to September, you're totally fine, but right now you're hitting sub-zero temperatures and it's it hurts. Yes, it, definitely hurts. it does hurt. But you know, I'll tell you something, I've got a big German Shepherd dog and he, loved it he's like so hilarious running around in the snow and then you look at him and his face is full of snow and he's like he's been eating the snow and he's just in love with it. he loved it so i gotta ask did you try cheese curds i have tried cheese curds what do you, uh, what do you think of them i find it a little weird <laughs> a little weird like and like they're a bit squeaky right it's yeah. like um yeah, I actually played the Oshkosh County Fair as well a few okay. years ago, um, which was super fun. But yeah, a bit, bit odd. But, uh, you know, I'm the same thing when it comes to Australian foods. I introduce people to all the Australian foods and they think it's a little odd when you don't grow up with it. But yeah. Sure. 
I can't then, eat that much cheese. Like, I love cheese, but I can't eat as much as what you guys eat. <laughs> I, I tell people it's an addiction for me. I mean, it's it's a problem. It's a good problem, I guess. It could, <laughs> it could be way worse. Um, did you did you have a favorite beer when you were in Wisconsin? I actually don't drink beer. Um, okay. But I will tell you something. The boys do love a spotted cow, and it's become a big joke. They go, oh, Wisconsin, we've got to get the spotted cow. So I'm, I, uh, yeah, I'm a Coca. I, I'm like love Coca Cola. It's sure. Coca Cola, and I like. I don't want to like ruin a good drink without a Coca Cola. It's really sad, actually. That's my guilty pleasure. Well, hey, everyone needs certain guilty pleasures. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you off the hook for this one. Yeah, people, people are like you're Wisconsin. Want to get drunk? And I'm like, no, I just want to drink a Coca Cola. <laughs> I'm doing it wrong. Well, I think you've got your your hands on the who Wisconsinites are. With, Beer, cheese, Packers, drinking, getting drunk. Drinking so. Wisconsinably. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, switching over to music, how long have you actually been in Nashville? Because you're originally from Australia. I am. G'day, mate. I moved <laughs> to Nashville four years ago uh, directly from my small country town called Gunnedah, um, which is in the middle of uh, what's it's kind of if you were to overlay Australia and the USA, it would be right in Tennessee. So oh. it's kind of like I'm just home, just on another side, other side of the world. Um, but yeah, been here for four years now. Um, I came out by myself with um, three suitcases and a guitar and a dream, and um, it's the most stupidest thing I've ever done in my life, really. To be honest, I came out. I had fifteen thousand dollars American to start my life. I sold everything. Uh, didn't obviously didn't have much assets, but by the time you sell everything and move countries, um, the dollar wasn't looking in my favor. <laughs> so I moved out here and I bought a crappy little car, uh, a little Nissan Versa. I still have it today. And I, I always think if I'm ever homeless, I've always got a car to sleep in. Like I, I own it. Cost me yeah. three and a half thousand dollars. But um, wow. I you know, used to drive to Memphis and back in it and um, do do lots of out of town gigs in it. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't hit the road anymore. It's more of a run around local car. I still my boyfriend's car to go to gigs. But um, yeah, that's how I sort of started over here. And it's been fun. I've had a blast. It's been lots of highs, lots of lows, you know, moving out on the other side of the world by yourself uh, with very little security. Uh, honestly, was the stupidest thing I've ever done. But I've I had someone looking over me, I guess, and it led it led to uh, I have a nice little life here in Nashville, so it's nice. That's good. Did you? So you said it was a very stupid decision, which you know, just speaking, I, you're kind of tongue in cheek, I'm sure. But did you always have aspirations to move to America or move to Nashville, especially for country music? Yes. Um, it's just funny and one thing for me that i'm really passionate about is every time i go home to australia um i try and connect with the local community over there um my local Canada community i remember being in year 10 so i was about 15 years old at school um i had just got a manager i i grew up an hour away from tamworth which tamworth is a sister city of nashville so it's oh. like the country music capital of australia and so i grew up there and i started playing shows it's kind of equivalent as if i was to grow up in the industry here um okay. and so i got a manager when i was about 15 years old and um she said to me look at that point, vocally, I was still learning my voice. I think I was probably a little bit of a, uh, what's it, a late bloomer. And um, vocally, I was still learning my voice, uh, but I was still gigging. Like I was playing shows and uh, practicing, performing and entertaining. But one thing where I got a lot of praise for was my songwriting. Um, I was kind of one of these little kids that was writing songs um, at the age of 11 and I'd go play shows, you know, we'd have like a little country music club where you, we'd all get up and sing a song and all the kids would be singing Dixie Chicks and, you know, and I would go and sing originals all the time. And so it, oh, wow. it, I became, I grew really quickly with songwriting. It became something, it became my thing. I was known as a, a little up and coming songwriter. And so 
when I was about 15 years old, my manager planted it in my head. <laughs> I see you being a songwriter in Nashville one day. And so I remember being in school, being in maths class in particular one day. Um, and the, the teacher said, Katrina, if you don't, I was not very good at maths, by the way. Um, he says, if you don't um, listen, because I'd always be talking, if you don't listen, you're not going to do very well in life and you're not going to be successful and this and that. What do you, what do you actually want to do in life? And I said, well, I want to, I want to be a songwriter in Nashville. And not, I did kind of frustrate him, to be honest, but I'll never, ever forget the eye rolls I used to get. So that was sort of the first time I'm like, I said boldly what I wanted to do and someone rolled their eyes at me and I sort of shrank inside a little bit. I'm like, oh, what that isn't, you know, because my mom was like, oh, you want to do that? Okay, awesome. You know, like how, how are you going to make that happen? She'd ask me how to make it happen. So, um, you know, moving so far away from home and having a dream that is probably really unrealistic because um, it's tough. I had to make a lot of sacrifices, you know, it, it took me, it took me, five years to mentally and financially be prepared to come out here um and it wasn't a quick win by no means it wasn't like pack up your bed you pack up your car throw everything you own in the trunk and just drive till you get to nashville it wasn't that for me it was like i i had to work really hard just just to be here so was there ever i guess you hear from a lot of artists and songwriters that music songwriting and you know singing is plan A, B, C, D, like there's no plan B. Was that kind of the same for you where you're like, that's all I want to do. And like, I'm going to find whichever way possible to do that and get there. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's kind of funny. Like I, I have such a passion for creativity in general, but, um, you know, back home in Australia, unfortunately, like our, our ecosystem of country music in, in Australia is like a lot of the big country acts back home will have to supplement their income. So um, there's not, not enough. The population is the population of Texas spread out, but less than the population of Texas spread out across the USA. Right. Imagine yeah. that. So it's very wow. sparse. Um, yeah. So it's like, I think it was like 3% of Australians actually listened and purchased country music. So it's not the greatest environment to be an aspiring country music artist, but um, the fans that are there are incredible fans. And I'm so blessed to have so many great friends and, and country music family in Australia, but it's financially, it's not really sustainable. So like people like Morgan Evans, like he would be playing big festivals, um and the next week you know him and i used to play the same circuit of shows so he'd be playing the pub gig one week i'd be playing it the next week um and then he would go and do a big festival somewhere and get paid a lot more than a normal pub gig but he would then the next week after that he's humbled again to play a crappy little wow. pub gig under an alias name um or, or some people teach singing and stuff like that so you kind of have to supplement it with something and I learned that and I'm like, all right, well, what can I supplement with? And so I've always been a geek. Um, I said that to you before when we were talking on the phone, but um, I love photography. So I photography, graphic design. So I do all my own artwork and I do my own websites. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, I would supplement with photography and but since moving to the USA you know I can only make an income from playing music on my visa so photography has kind of like taken a little bit of a backburn and um my it's a hobby I actually just got a new camera today I'm looking at my camera so I'm excited to get back into it it's going to be really fun but yes photography film I do all my I edit my own music videos and my boyfriend shoots them and we're kind of very like in-house <laughs> So I think it's, it's that's fun. a great skill set to great skill set to have that you're you're involved in all the aspects of who you are as an artist. I mean, that's well, awesome. you know, and you talk about playing ABC and all that stuff. It's just like I because I because money was always tight. Um, I mean, like it, it wasn't like you know, I was a working musician. I'd be doing a lot of shows a year full time, and I had a lot of time on my hands through the week. But um, you know you focus a time on like honing your skills 
it doesn't ever stop. I wake up every day and I'm always working whether or not I'm getting paid to do it or not. But when it comes to these geeky things that I do, um, I started off by creating, I remember about being about 19 years old. I'm like, I need to make a poster. And like, instead of paying a graphic design artist, I would thought, well, I could figure out how to do it. And it just took me years and years of like refining it and, and keep working on it. And, you know, my plan B, which was, no, it's like a supplemental income, which is photography or something like along those lines, graphic design, actually, I only discovered that skill set in it to use it as an asset for my music. Sure. So kind of still my music. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's all related. No, it totally is. Yeah. So because we're called Raised On It, we always like learning about, you know, who are the artists that you were listening to as a kid that you were growing up with? Being from Australia, the assumption is that Keith Urban was that guy, but I'm curious if he was or what other artists and musicians were you listening to? I know, I think I was listening or reading some article. You said both of your grandparents had, uh, your grandfathers had country music interests in them. They might've played. So what was, what was kind of all that foundation like? Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up, um, as a little toddler, they noticed uh, people, my mom and her friends would notice um, a little musical gift in me. Like you'd give me a, some kind of toy that had a musical thing to it and I'd make a song and stuff like that when I was like a little, like a oh. toddler. And they go, look at this. And they go, look at look what Katrina's doing. And I, I they saw this gift, but my grandfathers both played. My um, dad's side, uh, my grandpa, he played the violin when he was a little kid and also uh, the saxophone and clarinet. And his mother used to play in the pit orchestra's piano at the Sydney Opera House and stuff like that. Holy cow. Yeah, so she was pretty, uh, she was a musician, musician, you know. Um, whereas my grandfather on my mother's side, who I spent a lot more time with, um, he played country music and so I would just be mesmerized like if there was a band playing as a little girl I would be dancing and feeling the music and just up front and center and like I would always disappear if we were at like a uh, you know sometimes like local community events um, you know and there's a band playing you know, I would disappear and my parents wouldn't know where I was, wouldn't be able to find me. And sure enough, I'm right there where the music is. I was <laughs> obsessed with it. Like before, it's just funny, before I even picked up an instrument. But um, so my grandfather would uh, put me on his knee and sing me like Bobby McGee. And um, he loved um, Bobby McGee. Like uh, he loved uh, Crazy was another song of his that he loved. And another song was it? Um, the crystal chandelier and take the ribbon from my hand he used to sing all those songs but um all the old country songs and hank williams but um he loved a, an australian artist called uh slim dusty who's uh, an australian icon and so there's a lot of australian country music that i was influenced by as well but when i was about 11 i picked up my brother's guitar and started learning um shania twain songs of course shania so when I was a kid, um, we went through, my mom took us out of school for a month and packed up, uh, you know, our little life in a four wheel drive uh, land cruiser. And we lived in the outback for a month and we're like camping on the sides of the road and um, saw everything. So, you know, we've, you know, the Ayers Rock or Uluru, um, we went through and saw a vast, <laughs> oh gosh, it's so big. There's still so much more I need to see of Australia, but I definitely got a good chance. We went straight through the Simpson desert and all the way up to Cape York. And, um, anyway, so living, um, in this four wheel drive and camping on the side of the road, um, we had like, there's about six cars and one person had this the common over record and it was played on rotation and every time our cars would pull up you'd hear Whoa, oh, <laughs> you know and so i'm like what is that so what we did was we got a tape uh back in the tape days we got a tape and i actually took 
a CD. No, I don't think I did at that time. I think I was listening to country radio, but um, this CD I was obsessed with. So um, the next trip, the next year we went away on the road for two weeks. We went and did the same thing, went across um, the desert, saw a different part of Australia. And um, this, I still, I bought a, a, a um, what is it? An old, like a boombox type thing with batteries oh, because yeah. we didn't have a CD player in the car and I'd play, take the come on over record. That was the only record I took. So the two years running, this CD was nonstop and I became obsessed with Shania Twain. So um, I ended up starting to teach myself uh, Shania Twain on the guitar because I noticed that the manuscript, because I used to play piano as well and that my family would buy me Shania Twain chords and stuff. And I noticed the manuscript had how to play the chords above it. So I'm like, I'm going to try this. So that's how I taught myself how to play the guitar. And um, Shania Twain, um, then the Dixie Chicks kind of came into my life, who I loved. Um, Cheryl Crow was an influence as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I still say Shania was my girl. <laughs> that's, I mean, not not that I'm similar by any means, but that's that that record by Shania... I think it's my first record that I ever got as a kid. Wow. Uh, I mean, I was probably eight or nine, but and my mom still wonders why she gave that to me at such a young age. But I'm like, it, was, it had an impact on me. And it's made, it's changed your. It's probably I look at Shania, yeah. man, she changed my life. Like yeah. I just think, like I wonder if I would ever picked it. I, I'm sure I would have picked up that guitar, but to have an artist that I loved so much to make me i wanted to learn their songs i wanted to be like shania you know like she changed my life um but and you think about that too um oh i'm gonna tell you a funny story um i was playing the come on over record here at home and my boyfriend was sitting there beside me and i said let's listen to this like let's you know i don't really listen to the come on over record anymore it sounds kind of cheesy and you know what i mean like it's kind of like the time has passed you know yeah. i mean like those songs are incredible but like i listen to it it doesn't give me that same oh my gosh Anaya, like it did back then it was so but, different at the time yeah too. yes it was and so i listened to that record just recently my boyfriend and i were playing through the record and he goes wait that's not how it sounds so do you know in america you guys had a country version and a pop version of the record yes in australia we only had the pop version interesting yeah so he's like this isn't it and i'm like wait what so i actually have never really heard the country version so i need to go back and trace back and kind of hear how different it sounds that's amazing i had i wouldn't even think of that but i know yeah, the album, she put a pop album out and like all the song, the single versions were both country and pop. That's amazing. Yeah. You had the you had the option, whereas we just got the pop. We didn't have a choice. I mean, wow. the pop record was so dang good. But Steve had never heard it either. He'd never heard the pop version. I never heard the country version. I'm like, what? So we love the same record. <laughs> it's a different version of it. Wow. That so is so fun. Now it makes me I gotta go try to find the pop version and listen to that just to see. It's just funny that it's like the same, same songs, same music in theory, but they're, they're different at the same time, but it's yeah. has such an impact on you. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, somewhere oh, else I, I was. Can I mention one more thing about Shania oh, before yeah, we move on? Absolutely. So, Say as much about Shania. Well, <laughs> Let's go. when I was a little kid, I was about 11 and I was obsessed with Shania. Like I used to dance as well. And I learned that don't impress me much. We did a dance to that. And, <laughs> you know, I, my mom sewed me up like the leopard print outfit. Oh and then boy. I would go to the, the, after we finished that dance, I'd go to class and my teacher would say, what song do you want to learn? What song do you want to do a dance to this time? And I'm like, can we do Man, I Feel Like a Woman? Like in every time it would be a Shania Twain song, right? But anyway, um, when I was 11, my mom went to Sydney. Now Sydney is about six hours away from me. And, and back then it was a real big deal. Like if someone went away for the weekend, maybe it's because I was younger, you know, I'd have to stay with my grandparents or something. But it was a big deal when my mom would go to Sydney or, or someone would go to Sydney. And um, she went to the Sydney Entertainment Center and watched Chennai Twain. And she always says that she was at the back row. And she said, I've never been to a concert where standing in the back row, you feel like you're so much a part of this show. And oh. she came back and she goes, oh my gosh, Katrina, next time Shania Twain comes to Australia, I'm going to take you. And I never, ever forgot that. Now, 
um, it was 2015 and I was in Nashville and I was pretty broke. I used to, I came, it was my, one of my first, it was my first solo trip by myself coming out for three months and I wanted to try it on to see if I wanted to move to Nashville. Shania was playing Bridgestone Arena and I couldn't afford a ticket. Like I was, my budget was already extended um, from coming out here for three months, no work and all the things. But um, then I moved here and I, and like a, this was probably about 2018 by this point, 17, 18. Shania, no, it must've been 2017. Shania was playing Bridgestone Arena. Now I live in the Gulch, which is, like literally five blocks away. Like, oh yeah. This queen that I loved as a kid, I used to dream like, oh my gosh, I would love to be best friends with her. You know, <laughs> it's like five <laughs> blocks away from me. But I, I was just in a point where financially, I, I'd only been in town for a year and I was afraid to spend that kind of money on a ticket. I know it doesn't seem like a lot of money, really a ticket for a, a big show like that. But anyway, it was 2008. 18 December when she actually went back to Australia for the first time in 20 years. So I flew back home to Australia a little earlier for Christmas and my mom and I went and saw Shania. So it was really cool. How amazing is she live? Oh yeah. She's so great. And the only thing is, is I feel like, um, I wish I'd seen her when I was younger. I feel like now that I'm in, like, this is my job and this is my, I feel like I don't appreciate it as much. I mean, like I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. It's Shania Twain, but, um, I don't get into it. I'm not as fangirl like I used to. Like, I think sure. if I was fangirl, I would have been like, oh my gosh, Shania, oh, you know, and I would have loved it. Whereas I still love it. Um, but it was like watching the show from a perspective of a performer. Oh, wow, that looks cool. Oh, wow, the love when yeah. she did that. Yeah. Just so. a different, just a different perspective on it, I guess, huh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, just a couple more questions about Australia here. And I know it's, like you mentioned, it's it's country music isn't necessarily huge in Australia, but there are artists and acts that are getting a name for themselves. I mean, you know, like obviously Keith Urban, but then Morgan Evans, um, Tom from Seaforth, uh, yeah. I believe. So some of those people, you were in a music program with them. Is that right? Yeah, I was. Yeah. So even now in Nashville, that you guys are pretty much all here. Is there some sort of Australian musicians hangout? Do you guys get to see each well, other often or I think you know Morgan is kind of in a different realm now to be honest um sure so I don't really see Morgan and like I walked past him the other day and I go hey mate and I, like I had no makeup on I was walking my dog he used to live in the gulch as well and I go hey mate and he kind of goes hey like thinking I was a fan or something and he kind of like walked past and he goes oh hey <laughs> by that point it was like awkward but i that's the only time i've ever seen him in the usa to be honest oh, wow. um so yeah i don't really catch up with morgan um but um you know and i actually didn't meet the seaforth boys until i was at red door one night and i go they heard of an Aussie accent and i'm like hey what are you doing here and then you know we connected and i found out we actually he tom actually went to the same music program as i did um the year after me but we had never met before huh. um but yeah i do see those boys quite a bit whenever i hang whenever i see them around or something i'm pretty anti-social to be honest i don't go out much um but whenever i see those boys around they're pretty funny kids they're wild yeah. yeah yeah i saw them at the listening room once and i'm like those guys are, it's half a comedy stand-up routine. Yeah. The other half is the really good artists too. It's like they say something. Yeah. They, they laugh and joke around. They say something really funny. Then they sing this really sweet love song or something yes. with like beautiful harmonies. Like <laughs> yes. they're, they're good people. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So I want to play a little game or just kind of some questions here. I looked up popular phrases or words that <laughs> only Australians would know. Okay. And I'm curious as to how popular they are or if you still use them okay. you know, here in the States. And again, it's off the internet. So if it's wrong, I mean, we'll blame the internet. I love it. So, uh, the first one is Arvo. Yeah. Afternoon. What is, 
Yeah. Do you still use it? What? Yeah, absolutely. So everything we shorten everything. So in the service station is what we call a gas station. So we're going to go to the servo, the Savo. We'll go to the servo, oh, okay. the Savo. And um, I'll have avo on toast, which is like an avocado on toast. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. Like the bottle would be bottle shop, which is a liquor store. Bottle-o. Go to the bottle-o. Um, we love to shorten things. We ain't got time to, to say the long version. So it makes sense why I see Barbie come up here as barbecue. Yeah, the Barbie. The Barbie. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I do this thing um, over COVID. We're doing, over lockdown, we're doing a live show and we call, we do this section called Lost in Translation. Um, so, and I do some TikToks on Lost in Translation. I've been, TikTok's kind of like that, a different kind of platform. People swear on there a lot and people, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a pretty potty mouth sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, that's my Australian in me. But so I've been doing a bit of an 18 and over lost in translation, which has been hilarious. So, but yeah, we've been just, um, yeah, I like to, and you know, funny, my boyfriend, he says some Australian things sometimes as well. I, I'm rubbing off. Oh, you're getting him into it? Yeah, that's, it's that's so good. funny. Yeah, one of them that's not on the list here, we don't have to go into it, but I, I saw that a certain phrase, if you're cheering your team on, has very different, that word has a very different meaning here than there. So um, we'll just, if you're listening, go go Google and see if you can find it. Um, another one was Esky. It's like a cooler. Yeah, an Esky. Esky. Yeah, so clever. Esky is a brand. It's kind of like Yeti. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. The the one here that stood out is Dunny. Is that oh, the, the to- Dunny. The toilet? Yeah. yeah. When I first came here, I remember I went to, we did a um, tour of the Opry, like backstage and stuff. Oh, yeah. And um, I walked to the gift shop and I said, do you guys have a Dunny? And they go, huh? And I said, a Lou. And they're like, huh? <laughs> I said, you know, like, uh, and by that point, I like froze. I'm like, uh, but uh, a, a um um a toilet, and <laughs> it took me forever to get the words out. And it's yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. I know. I was like, what the dunny? I'm, some of these are just hilarious. And I love it's, it. It's so good. Uh, just a couple more here. Uh, legless. Oh yeah, if you're too drunk, you're legless. See, that's clever. I, I might start using that one. Like, oh, yeah, like uh, they, were, they were late. You were legless last night. Yeah. Wow. Um, she'll be apples. I never heard that one. So evidently it's it means everything will be all right. So we say a, a saying called she'll be right. OK, um, similar. And it's really funny. My American boyfriend, um, I told him like because there's some Australian phrases like we say to our dog when I try to keep our dog in line we say oi get back here you know um so he says oi all the time and also oh, I always go oh she'll be right she'll be right like if something you're worried about something oh. I should be right and so Steve says she be right and so now it's turned into oh she be right like we, <laughs> we you just say it cut wrong. stuff off yeah, yeah she be right that's amazing should be um, I've never heard that one though yeah, again, who knows who knows where they're getting this from. Um <laughs> the last one, whoop whoop. Uh and whoop whoop. Yeah. Whoop whoop. So I, I uh, am from if I was to describe where I'm from, it would be from whoop whoop. So I out uh, I'm out the back of I'm from out the back of whoop whoop, which is out the back of middle of nowhere. That is awesome. Yeah, uh, whoop whoop. <laughs> out whoop whoop. Out somewhere. Out whoop whoop. I love it. <laughs> Well, this was, this was great. I, I learned so much more today, just in this little two minute segment. Um, Do you know when I, I first moved to town, um, I remember sitting with, um, and a table where, and so my accent was pretty thick at this point. I remember sitting at, at a d- table with, um, Lainey Wilson and Casey Tyndall. And they, I remember sitting there cause they're as country as oh, big can, time Southern. Right? Yes. And so I'm sitting there with these girls. I could not understand a single thing they were saying. And I bet you they couldn't understand a single thing I was saying. I've never like had an issue ever before in my because I'm country Australian, right? I'm the equivalent to what they are, but Australian. Sure. Um, and I've never sat there just 
I'd say something and they look blank faced. <laughs> then they would say something and I would look blank faced. Um, now I I understand the southern thing. So uh, now when I see people, I don't have as much of a trouble. But I'll never forget that I go. I've never been so lost because of my accent. <laughs> no, you mentioned yeah, yeah. Lainey and some of those girls have. It's I understand like ninety five percent, but there are some times where I'm like. Yeah, that's Southern. And, yeah. you know, being from Wisconsin, like when I moved to Nashville, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to make fun of, you know, the Southern accents and the voices. But people, when they heard me talk, they're like, are you from Canada? Like, where are you from? It's so funny. You know, so it's just everyone so has that. It is oh, all the time. Accents around here. I will say it is. You know, and you go, and as soon as someone starts talking, you go, where are you from? You yeah. know, even me, I know I'm getting a Southern twang. Like, I'm getting a southern twang to my voice. My Australian friends are like, "Oh yeah, Katrina, you go to America <laughs> and you pick up the accent." Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, one last thing on on Australia, if you know, aside from some of the the words and phrases, you know, what are two or three things that you wish that America would adopt from Australia? Whether it's like food or clothing or oh. hobbies, like what are some things that you're like, man, I wish America would just embrace this. I would say there's so much great Australian food that I wish America would adopt. Actually, for one, Australians, we have this really strict health code, so we don't actually have corn syrup or anything like that in our food. Oh, and I wow. I think, think that's why I'm so addicted to Coca-Cola because of the corn syrup over here. It <laughs> um, would make sense. I, I love the corn syrup. But um, so the Australian food is a lot more fresh and healthier. We've got healthier foods. Um, but I tell you what, we have like things like, uh, what is it? Um, sticky date pudding, which is like, it's basically like a cake, but then it's like a warm cake with this pudding sauce over it. It's delicious. And I, I made it for Steve the other day and he goes, oh my gosh, this <laughs> is phenomenal. And pavlova is another um, amazing, uh, it's like a meringue cake. So it's got meringue and then it's like cream and fruit. And it's, it's one of our delicacies. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I wish that America would adopt would be my mum. <laughs> uh, I, I really answer. miss my mom. So uh, I'm a mummy's girl. So um, yeah, if there's one thing America would adopt would be my mom. But I don't know my mom. She she loves. She's a country girl. She loves living out in the country. I don't think she doesn't. Nashville's very busy for her. But yeah, so she. I don't think she'd ever move over here for me. But I, I can dream. I keep saying, look, I'll have kids one day, and she can come over for the summer and babysit them. There we go. Good way to guilt her a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So my plan is for her to come over for three months of the summertime because she hates winter as well. So it's winter in Australia when it's summer here. And I said, oh, Mom, yeah. you can live summer all year round. Just come over for summer. That's true. And just, you know, like then you can get, like, I think about, well, I don't know, I'm a full time musician. So it's not like I'm, um, you know, working through summer while the kids don't have school. But I thought, you know, yeah. that'd be great for my kids to spend more time with their grandma or nena. No, I haven't, not planning on having kids anytime soon. But <laughs> sure. Well, I'm, I'm using it as a bribe tactic to get her over here. Th that's pretty, it's pretty strategic. It's pretty yeah. sneaky. I, I can applaud that. I'd, I'd have, I'll have a kid just so she comes out more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that sound rationale. I'm, yeah. 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 That's, that's a great answer. Um, <laughs> well, we've been talking about, you know, growing up in Australia, you know, background, but I want to talk about your music. So, uh, before you jump into some of the, the singles, uh, that you've released recently, you know, how would you describe your style of music at the current moment? You know, who are the current influences? What are you trying to not necessarily, you want to sound like someone, but kind of what, how would you describe your style of music? Do you know, I don't know how to describe my style of music. I think sometimes I sit somewhere between, um, in Australia, our music is a little bit more Americana on the cusp or more folk driven than what Nashville country is. So sure. it's taken me a little bit of soul searching. I think um, for me, I I really love connecting with people and, and sharing a story. So all my songs come from truth. Um, you know, I've got a song called 25 cents in the ashtray, which is literally about me moving to the USA and, uh, having no credit score and just driving along to gigs. And, you know, then I've got Tennessee, which is a story about, um, uh, 
you know, I'm going to love you. I'm going to set you free. But if you ever want to come to Tennessee, you know, um, so I think lyrically and emotionally, it comes from a place of truth. But it is somewhere sounding like I don't really know. I would say it's Nashville pop country. Sure. But there is an element of like Sheryl Crow or an element of uh, that Americana artist. It's kind of like a pop melody with an Americana heart to it. I want to talk about uh, the two singles you mentioned because 25 cents in the ashtray. And the thing I love about, I encourage ton of, tons of people, my friends and family. Yes. You can listen to the radio and that's, that's where the money is. That's the way, you know, the machine operates. But I'm like every week there's so many great talented rising artists that are dropping great new songs and 25 cents in the ashtray. Just like, even with all those songs, it like stuck out and it's still on my playlist. Aww, wow, so thank you. yeah. So like, do you, when you released that, did you know, I guess this might be a weird question. Did you know how good it was going to be or how well received it was going to be? Well, you know, I thought there was something special there. I, um, it's something super funny and I, you probably haven't even noticed this, but I'll, I'll, uh, let you in on a secret. I Ooh. actually wrote Tennessee, um, first and oh. i wasn't gonna write 25 cents in the ashtray um because melodically it's actually really close to tennessee so if you ever want to come to tennessee oh i've got 25 cents in the ashtray. oh wow yeah right so i wrote tennessee and then this oh i've got 25 cents in the ashtray haunted me and haunted me for months and months and months and i went to uh, my co-writer of 25 cents and uh, Jake Anderson and I said look I'm just I have this song that will not leave me alone oh I've got 25 cents in the ashtray um da -da -da, and that was all I had oh I've got 25 cents in the ashtray um and I took it to Jake and I said the only catch is is that I don't want to I haven't I keep throwing this song off and go, I'm not going to write this song because I've already written it. it's Tennessee and I was never going to release Tennessee and 25 cents one after the other because it's the same key, same melodic sort of lift up. But I, oh. really, it's funny. You can't really tell unless no. you're like consciously thinking of it. Um, and my co-writer said, Katrina, if this is a song has been haunting you for that long, let's write this song. And I left that ha his place that day thinking, oh, wow, this is this is my story of why I moved to Nashville. And it was kind of like a my American debut, you know, when I, when I started releasing new music again, I actually completely got rid of my back catalog on, on Spotify. So How I come? had, I had uh, a full record and two EPs that were on Spotify. Um, they're available on my website now. However, because I do come from that Americana background, they were very Americana and I felt like it wasn't, on brand with who I am now. And I didn't want to confuse people. And so I thought, well, that was Australia. People like my hardcore fans and supporters can still go purchase it off my website. But I wanted to make sure that this is who I am. Like, here I am, you know, I'm in Nashville, yeah. here I am. So we got rid of all the back catalog just so there wasn't any confusion. And um, 25 cents was the second single we released. We, we warmed it up a little bit, warmed up the market a little bit with uh, It All Falls Down. But then 25 cents uh, jumped on the bandwagon and that was the second release. And um, it's very much, it was the first music video I had done in almost 10 years as well, which was, oh, wow. yeah, so probably eight years, I think. So um, yeah, it's fun. And, and it, it, it was received in Australia pretty well. I'm still trying to find my feet here in the USA to go, okay, do I go radio? Do I go, uh, you know, so um, still learning the ropes sure. in the USA, but uh, it did really well in Australia. Um, but Tennessee's doing great. It's sitting at number, I think number 14 or 15. Oh, wow. On the country charts back home. Yeah, which is That's weird awesome. because I thought 25 cents would have been uh, done better than Tennessee because it's more up tempo, more poppy. Yeah. And I thought Tennessee, I don't know if Australians would connect with the whole Tennessee, you know, but they have. It's it's really cool. And I'm getting such a great response. So it's it's awesome. One of your videos or quotes you said, and I think this was tied to 25 cents in the ashtray in your story. You mentioned that 
you were broke, but you were also the happiest you've ever been. So like, yeah. how is, how is that possible? Well, you know, I, I had, um, a time I remember, I remember back home, I was nominated for three, for two golden guitar awards, which is, uh, like CMA, uh, awards nominated. And I had just had a record that had gone, uh, top 10 on the aria chart which is equivalent to billboard um and i had three top 10 singles from it and so i remember sitting in the audience this night and with my nominations and um i had just broken up with my fiance after i worked together for like seven years and i just broke up with him i felt like i felt I felt like my life, I was so unhappy. I wasn't whole. There was something missing in my life. And I was struggling with severe depression. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, you know, I am nominated for best female artist of the year and best new talent. And I have a loan that's going to take me two years to pay back because this record did not recoup. Right. Oh. Yeah. But yet it's like top 10 on the ARIA chart. And I remember sitting there and feeling, wow, this is, I wished for this. I wanted this, but I didn't realize that this is what it would look like. And I'd felt so broken hearted. So I went, I went away after that. It took me two years of sitting on my hands, not being able to do a single thing, um, to pay off this record. And um, I will, the blessing of that is that that made me eligible to move to the USA. So it was worth, Oh, it. that's a good thing. However, I do remember moving out here and depression is something that, uh, it, unfortunately it's hereditary and it's, it's, um, haunted my life for a while, uh, for a long time. Um, and it's crazy. Like I remember, uh, moving out here and, and being really broke. I, 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 one particular moment for me moving to Nashville. Sorry, my dog's barking in the back. Oh, you're totally, totally fine. No. Um, one big moment for me was uh, I came out in 2015 to try it on and I couldn't afford an Uber. I would, um, Uber's become so expensive. I was spending like 20 to $30 a day in Uber rides just to get to and from co-rides. So I would wake up extra early and walk six miles to a co-ride and six miles home. Oh and my gosh. With my guitar on my back. Yeah. So it's like, I remember doing that. And there was this one moment where I written a song, which still to this day, I feel like it's, I feel like this is like the song of mine. Um, haven't released it yet, but uh, I'm waiting for the moment. Um, and I remember listening to the voice memo of this song, walking home the six miles, it was a hundred degree heat, it was the middle of summer and my sandals would, the glue would melt in my sandals and I'd be walking, my shoe would keep falling off. Like every day I'd go home and re-glue my sandals <laughs> and then do it again. Right. And I remember thinking about it and thinking, wow, um, it's more so like, you know, those disappointments, you dream about something and then you get disappointed and like, this isn't what I expected it to be. Whereas this whole Nashville trip, I had no expectations of, I had no expectations and everything was a blessing and walking home in hundred degree heat, six miles in the hot summer with a shoe that was falling apart, listening to this incredible song. I just thought, wow, I'd never felt more happy in my life. I need to, huh. I need to move to Nashville. Like, this is why I do it. Not, not for the glory and not for the, you know, it's for the experience. And I look back at that moment and go, gosh, that was such a fun time <laughs> walking <laughs> home and that, like, you know, um, and so me moving out to Nashville, it was the most terrifying thing I ever did. I, there's so many times where I kind of froze at the, in the doorway going, um, I need to turn around. I need to go home. I can't do this. Um, there was so many moments, but then I think, you know, I used to always say, you know, I would drive to Memphis sometimes not knowing if I'd make enough money to get home. Um, and the, the first trip, to well, the first trip to Memphis was like, Hey, we'll give you a hundred dollars. If you play this gig, um, we'll give you accommodation. And, um, you know, there's another, you know, there's like, yeah, not a lot of money in my first trip to Memphis. And I went out there and I played the Hard Rock Cafe. Someone saw me there and says, hey, well, why don't you play my show 
why don't you play this venue tomorrow night? And I'm like, okay. Turned out to be a three gig run of a weekend and oh, a, cool. a, pro- a profitable weekend. Yeah. Um, I've been going back to Memphis for every six weeks before the pandemic happened. And, but I remember like taking that risk of like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to make any money, but I might make a new fan. I might make new friends. And I surely did. I have a little family over there in Memphis that I just love and adore. Aww. And so I remember thinking when I was driving to Memphis, driving into the unknown um, with not much money, not even know if I could pay gas coming home, thinking, you know what? I, I This isn't much. This is pretty crap, really, when I think about it. But one day I'm going to look back at this moment the same way I looked back at walking the six miles mm-hmm. with the shoe falling off, with the sun beating down on me and thinking, gosh, man, that were fun times, weren't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and that was yeah. it. It's like, uh, they were the fun times. I look at the Memphis trip and I just go, oh my gosh, what? Like an- another time I drove up to uh, DC to play a house concert for someone, not knowing if I'd make much money or not. And uh, because it's like a tip-based thing or it's like a ticket sales thing, you don't really know what extra you're going to get on the base, you know? Sure. And so I got there and in my little red car, 10 hour drive in my little red Nissan Versa. And I got to where I was going and the car just stalled. Like when I got there, I was like, oh, oh no, gosh, here we go. This is going to be an expensive trip. And the person house, the person who was giving me a, um, I was doing a house concert at their house. He took me down to AutoZone and said, let's have a look at this car. We put it on, you know, and he goes, oh, we just need this and whatever. We just put a few things in my car and I was good to go. I came back to Nashville and I went to a mechanic straight away when I got home because it stalled at this end too. But I've never taken it on a 10 hour trip, but ever again. But <laughs> I will say it's like they're, they're the moments, you know, you look back and you go, gosh, remember that time when I was doing, when I was struggling when I was doing that. It's like, how romantic is it looking back in hindsight? But at the moment, it's like, might be a hard time. And I used to always just remind myself that like, yeah, it's tough right now. But one day I'm going to look back at this and go, man, I was really doing it, wasn't I? And that That's was cool. the only way I could get through the fear of driving to Memphis, not knowing if I'm going to get enough money to get home. <laughs> I what an idiot. <laughs> See, I, I love that. Like, that's the beauty, I think, of country music is in the songwriting. It's like every artist and songwriter, like, it's personal to them. Like, there's heartfelt meaning behind it. And there's these cool stories that you just talked about behind a song. And it just makes it just makes it really special. I don't know. Yeah, it sure is fun. I feel very, very blessed to have the opportunity to do it. And, you know, as I said, I'm a mummy's girl. Um, I probably wouldn't be brave enough to do any of this if it wasn't my mum. I'll go, I'll tell these big dreams to my mum and I'll say, look, I, I want to move to Nashville. I think I want to go to Nashville. And she'd say to me, well, how do you plan on doing that? And, or even things like I go to mum, I go, mum, I've got this gig coming up and I've got this opportunity to play in Memphis. I don't know if it's going to pay. I don't know what's going to happen. She would, she would always say, just go for it. Just do it. You can do it. You know, yeah. you, you know, it always comes out. It, leap in the net will appear. And so without my mum egging me on, because I don't know if I'm brave. I don't, really don't think I'm that brave. But without my mum saying, you could, do, I, you could totally do this. Um, I don't think I would have done half of these crazy, scary things I've done. That's awesome. Just the blind faith. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, just a couple wrap up questions here, I guess. So you've been in Nashville in the songwriting community for a couple of years now. What have you learned about yourself, both as an artist and as a person from your time so far? I think for me, I've really learned that I love being the artist. Um, for a long time, I used to just think I was just a songwriter. And I think that comes from when I was a kid, when people would say, you know, you, you're a songwriter, you're a songwriter. And I feel like in my heart of hearts, I've made a full-time income for the last 12 years uh, being a full-time performer. Like I'm a performer. I love getting on stage. I love heckling people. I heckle the people, <laughs> you know, I love connecting with the people and becoming friends. and. Um, I love that connection and um, I know too like I would sit in a room with someone and we'd write a song and it would just sit in the books and I hate that like I want to write a song that means something that that tomorrow I can record and the next week I can release if I wanted to and create something so I think it's all about the creation from from birth to full release I love that I love the elements of 
of all that. And I think um, one thing is that I'm probably a lot stronger than what I believe I am at times. You know, I think sure. that's one thing that Nashville has really taught me. Uh, there's been a lot of times where it's been tough and I, I've been out here on my own and had no one to turn to. And it's like being lost out in space when the other side of the world's asleep. You've got no one to confine in. You've got to deal with it on your own. And um, yeah, I was chronically ill for the second year I was here. I ended up having two operations on my sinuses. I'd lose my voice and things like that. Oh, no. Yeah, I was really sick. And um, being a full-time singer with no voice um, and in a country you can only make an income from singing, it's a bit tough, but um, a bit tough, uh, very tough. Impossible almost. But, yeah, impossible. It was actually going to be the end of my uh, dream here in Nashville. I was going to have to go back home to Australia and get operations that I needed. Um, and it is one of those things that, you know, as you said, blind faith, like leap in the net, net will appear. And it's like I just, for some reason, I felt, and I think that's the one thing, um, and I, I don't know if this is any kind of advice I could give anyone in life. Not that I'm good at advice because I'm still a mess, but um, we all are. Yeah, but it's like one thing, if you're meant to be doing something, the whole universe will conspire to make it happen. And I remember going to, I spent my last $150 and, and that's partly why I was so broke is because I was so sick, but I spent my last $150 on a doctor, an Eno's throat doctor, and he put a scope down my throat and he said, well, you've got laryngitis, chronic laryngitis uh, from this sinus problem. He goes, can I do some more tests? He goes, look, I'm not going to charge you for the tests. I just want to see what's going on. And so he did these tests and he came back with the news of what was going on. And he said, look, I know your situation. I know that you're going to have to go home to Australia because I had no health care by that point. I, it was too expensive for me the first year round. I think like it was like two and a half thousand dollars to send my body home if I died. Like that was my first, that was my, my health gosh. insurance the first year. And I'm like, you my know God. what? I'm going to, I said to my mom, I said, you know what? You guys can do a GoFundMe. Um, and oh <laughs> so um, I ended up not, yeah, I ended up not continuing on with that plan. So, um, oh. My the doctor came in and said, "Look, uh, I want to do an operation. I've just called a friend, and we're going to donate the operation that you, you need because you really need an operation. You're really sick. That's and incredible. So, I know. And so I always think about that. I always think that um, leap and believe in yourself and believe that it's going to happen. If you really feel in your heart that you're meant to do something, the whole universe will conspire to make it happen. And I think even you know even after all those operations, I was still chronically ill." Uh, recovering and uh, it took me about six months to get uh, fully 100% better and well let's say 80% better because I live off Mucinex but um, you know I went home close to enough yeah. yeah I went home to Australia and um, I had met my boyfriend like three weeks before flying out and I was had laryngitis and I was I was going to stay home until I was better because I didn't want to come back to Nashville relying on gigs to make an income and not being able to sing. I didn't want to live that life. It was horrible. Oh my gosh, it was the worst year of my life. And then, you know, I go back to Australia. I probably could have stayed there. I really could have. Like I was still sick for a really long time. And I met Steve and he flew out like a desperado, really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> he flew out. It works. And it works. I know. It's so sweet. So he flew out and um, he says, come home. I want to keep you safe. We'd only known each other for three weeks before that. He said, come home. Damn. Come home. I, like, I want to take care. I'm going to take care of you. I, I want you in my life. And so I flew home, back home to Nashville, still still sick. It took me another further three months before I got better. And I think if, if I didn't meet him, I probably would have just given up and said it would have been too hard. You know, so wow. it's just funny. It's funny how life happens. And I always think you're right where you're meant to be. That is amazing. Props to him. I know. For being that bold. Incredible man. That is crazy. Awesome. Uh, last one here. I know 2020 was a weird year, but you were able to release music. I know this year is probably just as unpredictable, but, you know, what are you hoping that this year holds for you? Is there more music? You know, hopefully hopefully some gig opportunities or what do you, what are you kind of hoping that this year looks like for you? Well, you know, um, so the funny thing, 2020 for us was one of those years where it, like my boyfriend lost his job and he turned around on his desk one day and he says, well, why don't I make a record for you? And I was like, 
do you know how to make a record? <laughs> and um, turns out that like on weekends when I'd go away playing gigs and stuff like that, he would be producing music, just making music, right? Just for fun. And um, so 2020 turned into Steve being a full-time producer and uh, he had done it as a kid and had learnt from um, a guy called Steve Baisha, who's like a multi-Grammy award winner and number one billboard. <laughs> He's mixed over a hundred billboard number ones. Like, and I didn't know yes. any of this, right? Steve did not ever mention this to me. And um, so anyway, Steve's now doing production. He left his corporate world. He left a big boy job and he's doing production and all that stuff. And so we keep a lot of things in house. We make our own music videos. We do a lot of things. So as an independent artist, all we are spending is our time and, um, you know, our time until it comes to marketing and then, you know, the budget gets blown pretty quick. But sure. um, the thing is, is that there's nothing stopping us from continuing to release. Um, I, I'm sort of toying whether to try the whole release once a month thing, but the, the production of the, you know, music videos and creating quality content for each release is such time consuming that it might be a bit much of a workload but at the moment we're trying to release every two months so that's where we're at and honestly my goal is to just connect with people and find those fans in the usa i'm still a little baby here i don't have a hometown here you know so um i don't have cousins and relatives in the usa so it's like i need to find those american supporters that that want to be my usa family so that's my goal to connect with people and release songs I love it. Well, we'll have to make Green Bay your uh, adopted. Oh my gosh, uh, hometown in, in America. We'll, we'll see I what we can do what, about that. I look good in green and gold too, so you'd be pleased. <laughs> you know, it's Australian colors. It feels right. Oh, that's true. I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, feels that right. Go pack, go. Absolutely, I love it. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you hopping on, telling me your story, helping me learn new Australian terms and yeah. phrases and things like that. And uh, yeah, I'm wishing nothing but the best going forward. And uh, hopefully uh, we run into each other sometime. Yeah, thanks, Adam.